Welcome to the Northeast Community Church Podcast. If you have any questions or would like to know more about us, visit us on the web at necommunity.church. This week, we will be discussing how a life that is transformed by Christ doesn't happen automatically. Followers of Jesus are compelled to discipline themselves in order to be more like Jesus. Well, good morning, saints. Good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Amen. If you need a Bible, please raise your hand and we'll have someone bring you out a copy of Scripture. That is yours to keep if you would like it. Uh, We love being able to introduce people to the Word and give away Scripture. Well, it's good to be back in that house. Anybody miss me last week? Y'all like, nope. Well, we took about 30 kids and young adults to fall retreat which was awesome. Uh, I don't know if you guys realize what happened here on Sunday night, but we have about 20 to 30 kids who show up on a regular basis. Um, All of them don't even come to our church. They go to different churches, and they come on Sunday nights. And so uh, Sunday night um, in our youth ministry is actually flourishing. Uh, And fall retreat was awesome. We played a colossal game of cops and robbers. And they brought out a helicopter. I'm not playing. A helicopter. <laughs> a helicopter. Helicopter. And so we went with uh, our planning church, Austin Christian Fellowship, and it was an awesome, awesome time. And I had an opportunity to share with the students uh, Sunday morning. And as I shared the message and, uh, during this week, I, I realized that it wasn't only a message for our kids. It's a message for us. And so I'm going to share what I shared last weekend uh, with the students. And so students, that don't mean you can fall asleep. That means you just get to hear it again. Amen. Amen. Um, Let's pray and we'll get into the word. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for being an awesome God and bringing us to this place this morning, allowing us to worship you, to seek your face. And Father, we just pray that as we continue in this service, as we open our hearts to hear your word, that your Holy Spirit will speak clearly to your children, and that we will have the insight and the revelation, Lord, how to worship you more deeply and more intimately. And Father, I just pray that I would decrease that you might increase in this place. We love you. We give you glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I don't know if you guys realize this, but the fitness industry is a $30 billion industry in the U.S. They say that currently about 20% of Americans have a fitness club membership. Now, I fall in the 80s. I'm allergic to weights. I'm allergic to exercise. I'm starting to try to sneeze even as I'm thinking about it. But why is this such a trend? Why is fitness such a big deal in the United States? Um, Some do it. We participate in fitness because we want to look better. We want to shed a few pounds. You know, uh, some want to shed the freshman 15 and you've been out of school for 30 years. I told y'all last week, my, no, this is what I was telling the kids last week, like it's too late for my wife. 
I didn't have a six-pack when I met her. <laughs> Ain't going to have a six-pack now. Um, some people do it because they want to feel more healthy. Like the doctors are actually telling me uh, that, you know, I have these joint issues. And they say if you actually exercise, that, you know, it'll help with the joint issue. But the problem is when I first start exercising, it hurts my joint so bad I can't see past the pain to the getting of better. But no matter why you exercise, whether it's for your health, whether it's for your looks, ultimately it's about transforming yourself. Ultimately, it's about becoming something that you aren't currently, right? So if you're a little overweight, maybe you want to become skinnier. If you are skinny, some of us, we want to bulk up, and, you know, so we eat more, so we want to get bigger. If you're unhealthy, you want to become healthy. And so exercise, this big trend is because people are trying to transform their lives. They want to become something different. And so when you want to transform yourself, when you want to become something different, you enter into this, this exercise habit. And it has to be habitual. You can't exercise once and expect your life to change right? Um, you can't change your diet for a weekend and expect your life to change. And so it requires you to engage in some habitual behavior in order for you to transform. It requires you to be into some habitual behavior before you can transform. I asked somebody to bring me one of my smallest weights this morning. Um, and uh, by the way, these was in my garage, and uh, I had to knock cobwebs off these things. It was... That's how bad they are. But this is what they call Ryan, Ryan Nowakowski, one of our elders here. He introduced me to one of these monstrosities. Anybody know? These are called kettlebells. These are called torture devices, what, they, they're, they're, what they're called. What they're called. And they have some. This is a five-pound one. No, it's actually 15 pounds. I guess I'm stronger than I thought it was. And so they have some. They had these little one-pound ones. I'm like, what are you doing with that? What are we going to do with the little one-pound one? Like, who, 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 who needs a one-pound kettlebell? Right? We laugh, but a lot of times in our Christian walk, if our Christian walk is about like these, habit, these habits that we form and these exercises we form, we walk around and we walk around with a one-pound kettlebell in the spirit realm. Like we come to church, we get a word, we listen to some spiritual music on, 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 on the way home, and that's my one-pound kettlebell. And I'm trying to be transformed, and you ain't going to get there with a one-pound kettlebell. Now, this is a 15-pounder, and it got a little girth to it. Fred, 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 it ain't gonna bother Fred. But dude, like me, you know, after a little while, this, this gets a little heavy. And you do this thing where you get down like this and you swing it and you do, like right, Ron, and you do like these things where you're on the ground. And, and this this little dude, he got me this book too, this little Russian dude. I forget Pavlov or something like that. And this little Russian dude, and he's doing all these exercises. I tried once, I said, no, uh, no, nope, nope, that's not for me. And so they went back into the garage and started to collect dust. Now, this big one right here. Oh, Lord Jesus. That's Ryan's. I See, look, I told him to bring that for example. I got the little ones. This is Ryan's. This one's a 70-pound one, and it's knocking the paint off the stage. Like, I'm not trying to be a part of that. However, I know in my mind that if I were to exert myself, and I start out with the 15-pound one and work my way up, eventually I would be able to lift the 70-pound, 100-pound one. Like, I know in myself that if I discipline myself, Eventually, I'll be able to do it. But right now, the pain of changing is too heavy. It's something that I don't want to do. And someone once said that until the pain of changing is greater than the pain of remaining the same, you won't change. 
until the pain of changing, of, of remaining the same, outweighs the pain of changing, you won't change. You simply won't change. And God is asking us to change. If you've been a believer more than 24 seconds, he's asking you to change. You don't believe me? Let's look at his word. It says in Romans chapter 12, and you know, this is familiar scripture to us around here. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And so we equate often, we equate worship with being raise your hands, tell God how much you love him. That's, a, that's an outworking of worship. But worship is saying, God, you the boss. God, you are in control of my life. And whatever you want, I am down for. I am doing what you're going to ask me to do. And so we're introduced to this concept in Romans 12 to spiritual formation. Just like if I were to work out these kettlebells a year from now, you like you will be able to see transformation in my body. And God is asking us to have this thing in our hearts and in our lives called spiritual transformation. And what trans spiritual transformation? We're going to define a few terms and we're going to go a little further. But spiritual transformation is a process, but it's also a journey. Spiritual transformation is a process, and it's also a journey. And guess what? You're going to be on this path for the rest of your life until you go meet Jesus. And some people hear that. Now, watch this. Some people hear that, and they say, well, since I'm going to be on the path for the rest of my life, I got time. I got time. Like, my joints haven't got too bad now. And so, y'all know how to pray for your pastor now. My, my joints got so bad now that I've actually started saying, you know, I'm going to wake up early in the morning and start going down to the garage and getting on those kettlebells or walking or jogging or swimming or something. It hasn't got to the point yet that it's been so bad. But get, you know, like if I can look at like the people in my, in my family who have the same joint issues. Listen, listen, over time, I see what, I'm, what, 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 what will happen if I don't. And I got to be honest with y'all, like I'm disciplined in a lot of things, but like putting myself through pain, I just don't want to do it. I'd rather be doing something else, reading a book, watching a TV show, playing a video game, but putting myself through pain? But the older I get, the more I'm realizing that my time is ticking, and in order to prolong my time here, I need to start making some changes. Also, in my spiritual walk, in your spiritual walk, we need to understand that same reality. What happens in the natural also happens in the spiritual. And spiritual formation is God saying, I want you to be more like Jesus. Look at this, Romans 12, 2. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. I talk to so many people so many times, and I, and I ask, I, you know, we talk about the will of God and what God is doing, and a lot of times people can't even discern the will of God in their life, and they've been Christians forever. I grew up a Christian. I grew up in a church, and I don't even know what God is speaking to me right now. And what that says to me is that we haven't been training. Y'all see, I think you keep going for the little one. We haven't been training. 
Look at this. Highlighted a few words here. Not conformed, be transformed. Not be. And God is calling us to be something different than we currently are. We need to realize that. God is calling you to be something different than you currently are. You need to realize that. And what he's calling you to be, this is going to blow your mind, what he's calling you to be is like Jesus. In every situation, every circumstance in your life, he's calling you to be like Jesus. That's why Jesus came and walked the earth as a man, as a human, to show us how we are supposed to be. He sent his law. God sent his law. He sent the prophets. He sent Israel, and none of them could do it. And then God just like, you know what? I'm going. And he knew this from the foundation of the world. He knew that we weren't going to be able to do it. He says, you know what? I'm going to go, and I'm going to show them how to do it. Like any good coach, anybody ever play a sport, and a good coach will get down on all four and show you how to block? Or he'll show you how to shoot the shot. He'd get there, and he'd model it for you. No, no, watch out, watch out. Let me show you. That's what God did. God stepped out of heaven, took on human form, and said, let me show you how you're supposed to be living. If this sounds familiar to you, because you probably read in Romans 8, 29, we say it's the will of the Father that you be conformed into the image of his Son, Jesus Christ. It's his will that you look like Jesus. And oftentimes we say, well, I'm not going to ever look like Jesus, so why even try? And what I want to talk about today is based upon this, that we're not to be conformed to this world. We're going to talk about what this world is, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. You can't find the will of God for your life. You can't understand what you're supposed to be doing because your mind has not been transformed. You're still thinking like the world thinks. He says, don't be conformed to this world. Don't act like the world acts. And so I got to give us some examples, or I got to talk a little bit about the wor- what the world is. When you look in the Bible, it's not talking about the earth. When it says the world, it's using this Greek word cosmos. That sounds like some space stuff, right? Because it is. It talks about this cosmos. And the cosmos, the scripture says, Satan is the ruler of this cosmos. Satan is the ruler of this world. It is the behaviors, the culture of this world, which Satan has sovereign reign over. And that's why the Bible says that you are no longer a part of this world as believers. You're in it physically, but you're not a part of it. You're supposed to stand countercultural to the world system, to what culture is doing. Here's the challenge, though. As I look around the church, I see that we are so, in, we're so engrafted into the world's culture. The world says do it this way. I do it this way because it makes perfect sense to do it this way, even though God is saying uh, uh, to do it another way. And so then I start saying, well, maybe he really didn't mean that. And I'm here to tell you, God means everything he say. He's an intentional God. Like, God don't just say stuff just to be saying stuff. That's what the world does. Like, with the world make all these, these sayings and these things, and, 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 and we're supposed to just abide by. But God says exactly what he means, and he means exactly what he says. 
And he says, you are supposed to live countercultural to this world. Y'all looking at me like y'all want to fight. I want to fight myself too. And conforming to this world's way of thinking impedes your ability to be transformed. Have you ever seen those videos they call gym fails? Like dudes in the gym and they just doing exercises all wrong. They can do those exercises all wrong for 5, 10, 20, 30, 40 years and they ain't going to never develop. Right? Because they're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. You sit up there on a mess up with a, with, you know, and you do, and I, I like the gym fellas when they fall, like they get on the machine and they're they not even hooked in right and they just fall on their face. Because you're doing it wrong. And chances are, in the room, I'm speaking to the room now, I'm speaking to myself right now. We get frustrated when God doesn't come through and we are not transforming and looking like Jesus. I've been trying, I've been trying, I've been trying. Maybe you're doing it wrong. Maybe you're doing it wrong. Or maybe you're doing it, maybe you're working out, but you ain't got enough weight. See, some of us, we've been Christians a long time and we here. Come help me, Ryan. No, I'm just, oh, Lord Jesus. But God wants us here. Like God wants to stretch your, y'all think I'm playing, this thing is heavy. God wants to stretch your capacity. God, oh Lord, I'm going to put this down, I'm going to give myself a hernia. <laughs> Maybe the thing that you're going through right now is God trying to spot you and show you how to lift this. When heartache and challenges come into our lives and come into our hearts. We, 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 we want to hurry up and abort and go back to this. No, no, God, look what I'm doing. God, God's like, no, 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 no. That was so last year. I want you to grow. I want you to develop muscle. Yeah, you toned and certain, but I want you to develop some girth. I want you to develop some, 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 some sustaining faith. You see, it's awesome, and we're going to go into another scripture right now, but it's awesome that as we see that the culture and the world system uh, uh, doesn't allow us to transform and we understand that it's not automatic. In order to get there, i got to start here with the intent that I'm going to eventually get there. Transformation is not automatic. And guess what else is not? It's not a suggestion. I just like the way that I am. God's like, that's not going to work for me. I don't like the way you are, and I'm going to transform you. I love you. Now, now hear this. I love you, but you have to be transformed in your thinking. It's not automatic. It has to be some effort. Now, listen, something happened on the inside. I get that. And sometimes we get theologically, we get mis misaligned. Like God does a work on our heart on the inside, and I get that, but there has to be this outworking. Listen, 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 listen. Uh, Anybody else in the room? Somebody about my size in the room. We don't have to come up here. I'm just looking. I'm just looking. I'm just looking. Isaiah. Isaiah's about my size. He's my, he's my he, jeans. He's my jeans, right? Okay. So this guy and me are about the same size. I'm better looking, of course. But <laughs> this guy goes and works out like every night. Like, man, can I go to the gym? No, you can't use my keys to go to the gym. But anyway, <laughs> he goes to the gym, right? And he works out. And he works out like almost every night, right? Like when he first started out, he was about like me. I'm just being honest, huh? He was skinny. Well, because I eat more than him. Anyway, stop helping me <laughs> preach. I'm going to preach this. Right? 
but he works out. And he conditions himself in the gym. And now, I hate to admit it, but he'll go to the bench press. He probably can bench press more than me. He can't beat me up, but he can bench press more than me, right? <laughs> right, because he's conditioning himself. Now, what is inside of him that is not inside of me? We both got a heart. We got lungs. We got ligaments. Same, we swimming in the same gene pool. Right? And so, oftentimes, we want to be like Jesus, and we want God to just come from the ex, this, this, this external force to come and just start changing stuff for us. No, we got to go and do the work. Does that make sense to anybody? Like some people are, na- I, I use somebody about my size because somebody's going to be, like Mark is probably naturally strong, and Mark's a big guy. He's probably naturally stronger than me. But if we're starting on the same playing field, he, I ain't got, he, I, he, he ain't got nothing I ain't got. And we see people going on to God, I'm like, they're so spiritual. They just, uh, they ain't got nothing you ain't got. And what they are exhibiting is because they put in work in order to become more like, they just so patient. Girl, I, my atmosphere, it couldn't have been me. I got too much attitude. <laughs> it's good that you did that, but for me, uh-uh, that ain't happening. See, the problem is what's inside of them is also inside of you. And truth be told, they're in there doing reps because just because they're quiet in the mirror don't mean they didn't feel it. Just because they didn't allow their emotions to take over and you see it all over their face don't mean they didn't punch their heart, but they're used, they're trained to deal. I'm thinking about those people in, 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 in England, those, those, they sit there like that. You know what I'm talking about? And the people get the, yeah, the Queen's Royal Guard. Yeah. You just be out there. Yeah, yeah. And I saw one one time. He said, back up! You know, they get it because you get too much in their face. But they just sit there. And they take everything. People going to people trying to get them out of their character. Uh, inside of them, I know they want to slap somebody. <laughs> Why don't they? They've been trained to not react to what the world around them is trying to get them to conform to. I'm going to move on. And so how do we get there? We know it's not automatic. How do we get there? These things called spiritual discipline. Spiritual disciplines. Now I want to talk about what spiritual disciplines are not and what they are. Spiritual disciplines are activities, not attitudes. And somebody's like, wait a minute, preacher. Free grace can't earn your salvation. I'm not talking about earning salvation right now. I'm talking about activities that you actively have to engage in in order to transform your mind, in order to look more like Jesus. You have to do this. Like, it's not just going to happen by osmosis. You have to do these things. It's not an attitude. It's not like the spiritual, the spiritual gifts, you know, love, peace. No, no, that's not what it's like. There are these physical, tangible things that you have to actively do in order to grow closer and more like Jesus. They are means to an end. The goal is to become not win favor with God. What do I mean by that? Listen, you're not going to win favor by doing it. God is requiring you to do some things. That just, and he said, listen, like you're doing it because I'm the boss. Like I'm not going to like you more because you're doing it. I'm not going to give you more grace because you're doing it. I'm not going to do more things in your life because you're doing it. You're going to do it because you love me and you're going to do it because you want to look like Jesus. And that's when the rubber hits the road of our faith. Are you going to be disciplined enough to do it? You are disciplined enough to get up out that bed when that alarm clock hits so you to go make your money. I know you are. Yeah. I know you, may, you might not make it on time, but you make it. Yeah. 
you're disciplined enough, you go, okay, I got, like, this is what I have to do in order to support my family. This is what I have to do. See, anybody in the room work out? Y'all one of those weird people in the room work out? Where are the weird people at? Raise your hand if you're a weird person work out. I know you do, Courtney. You be lifting, like, trucks and stuff. Sister, lift right there. I got you. I got you. I see you. I see a hand right there. I see a hand right there. Jasmine, I, yeah, I know you, like, talk about that. Ain't you, like, the second fastest child in the world or something like that? <laughs> Fifth. Shoot, top five. I'm, 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 yeah, look at y'all thought I was playing. That girl fast. You don't get fast just be like you got. There's some natural stuff, but she got to train, don't you, Fred? I ain't never know, know nobody that elite. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm just blown away. Like elite. Like you know, some people are good. Like I run. I, I used to run in the neighborhood, dust people off in the neighborhood, but that was a neighborhood. I'm talking about the country. I'm talking about like you know, like nobody faster than me. Only four. Only four. And they cheap, they on steroids. I know they on steroids. <laughs> they on PEDs. But you have to discipline yourself. Like, you don't want to do it. Like, to be great, to be the fifth fastest person in your age group in the country, you have to discipline yourself. You have to do the work. When other kids are playing Fortnite, you're doing something different. Amen. Whatever, I play Fortnite, whatever. <laughs> and you can do it for the wrong motivation. You can engage in spiritual dif- disciplines with the wrong motivation. Ask the Pharisees. It's not to win brownie points for God. It's to become more like him. And that's where the rubber hits the road of our faith. And we have to ask ourselves... What am I doing this for? Jesus said, this is the part of my sermon where I get off my notes. Jesus said, if you love me, Sean, we can paraphrase, you do what I say do. If you want to be more technical about it, if you love me, you keep my commandments. You keep my. And we've got to a place of such easy believism that I can just roll up and I can just give God whatever because he's going to love me and I can just give him whatever. He, just take this, God. Take that. That's not okay. That's not okay. The goal to these spiritual disciplines is godliness. Hear that. The goal to these spiritual disciplines is godliness. And dare I say you're not very godly if you're not engaging in these spiritual disciplines. You can act like you're godly all you want to. You can put on a costume and an outfit, look like you got muscles. But when trials and challenges and, 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 and people get in your face, I lose my religion. You can't lose your religion. And God is telling us, church, I feel like God is telling us it's time out for all these emotional experiences, all these emotional exchanges, which, which really, I'm just going to say it the way it comes to my mind. Y'all can bleep it out later. Having one night stands with God. God, meet my emotional need. God, let's cuddle a little bit. And then, God, I'm going to go do what I want to do. And maybe I'll drop a few dollars on a nightstand. Gotta say amen, you can say ouch.
This is the scripture says. That first word, I hate that first word. I hate that first. That word should not be in the Bible. It says train. That word, if I'm not mistaken, in the original Greek is where we get the word gymnasium from. See, there's something about your faith. It needs to be, like, you need to train your faith. How do you train your faith, Pastor? Okay, let me show you. I know the word says, don't repay evil with evil, but repay evil with good. Don't you hit me for real. Now, if I were to do this and go there, I wasn't training my faith. And I know, see, I did that because half the people in the room go, Lord Jesus, you're talking about people hitting me. <laughs> but the scripture tells us, smack you on one cheek, give them another one. That's what we're growing to. Now, listen, if you're in a situation where people slapping y'all, y'all need to get out the club. <laughs> y'all need to get up out the club. And chances are, if you get to a place where somebody's smacking you, you were complicit in some of the stuff that led up to them smacking you. We worry about that. That being the worst case scenario, somebody spitting on me, somebody slapping me. Like, no, like, 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 how many people have been slapped in their entire life? Like, like more than once. Like, not, not, not many. Uh, yeah, okay, yeah, you deserved it. Okay. Um, <laughs> but chances are, the average person, they just ain't running around getting slapped all day. And so we're worried about that, and that's where the enemy takes our head. Don't you, I, I can take anything, but don't put your hands on me. Well, maybe you ain't grown to that yet. Maybe that's this one. <coughs> but you won't be able to get there if you can't stand somebody not even talking about you. Say what you want to, you don't, you don't say nothing about my mama. You know, this is stupid stuff. That's going to hurt you, somebody talking about your mama. When the word tells us, train our faith, he says, he says, he says to bless those who despitefully use you. <laughs> to pray for your enemy. <laughs> <laughs> pray for your enemy. You can't learn to love your enemy unless you got some. Until that person who wronged you comes up in your face and they in your space, and they acting like you the one that did them wrong, and they sit right there in front of you, and they looking at you like, like and until you get to that point, you're not exercising your faith. Elbow, I was starting to show, I was starting to hurt. <laughs> By the end of this sermon, I'm going to have a workout. <laughs> but that's what God is telling us to do. He's telling us to train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. How are you training your faith? How are you training your faith? I know what it says in the Word, but when, it, when, when, when it's time to apply the Word to my life, abort mission. And God is saying, no, it's time out. For those things. Listen, listen, as I was preparing for this sermon, I've I just been in so much warfare. I just been wanting to, I just been wanting to fight people for no reason. 
I've just been angry and just kind of, and I can tell when, when God is doing the work on the inside of me because he doesn't want me to stand up here and be judgmental and looking down at other people. Right? And so, yeah, I, I get it, but you just have to learn to navigate life and not do what the world, not be conformed to the world's way of doing things, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so now we're going to get to the application point of this service, or the application part of this service. How do we renew my mind, Pastor? I get all that. Like, 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 like life is hard. Life is tough. And when stuff happens, I lose it, and I'm not really applying it to my life. How do I get to a point where I can just automatically, I can get to a place where I can, I can just start living like Christ? Listen. I'm going to give you three spiritual disciplines a day. They're not the, the gamut of spiritual disciplines. There are more spiritual disciplines involved. And here are the things. Some people try to say certain things are spiritual disciplines. I'm saying biblical things. That are, like, it has to be in the Bible first. Like, if people are like, man, I, I, man, I'm fishing, man. That's my spiritual discipline, man. Like, you know, it's the ocean. Like, we be on the, we be on the water, and, it, man, it's just so beautiful. I see God's good. No, that's not a spiritual discipline. That's you enjoying stuff and trying to bring God along. But these three... I think, are springboards to us getting to a place where we're saying we're going to start this exercise regime. We're going to start being transformed. We're going to start looking like Jesus. And here's the thing. God says in Hebrews 4, we don't serve a great high, high priest who doesn't understand us, that doesn't know our infirmities, that doesn't know what we're struggling with, that doesn't know what we're wrestling with. And in all of these things, God will, the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, he will help you to engage in these areas and, and, and to transform your life. Number one, reading the Bible is the way that we get spiritually fed. When Satan was tempting Jesus, he said, man shall not live off of bread alone, but from every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Listen, some of y'all sitting there hungry right now saying, I wish you hurry up, I'm hungry right now. Like, you would not go three, four, five, some of you six hours without eating. But we go days, weeks, and months without opening our Bible and reading our Bible. And our spirit man is malnourished. Our spirit man is dying. And some of us, some of us, we're, we're, we're spiritually bulimic. We come and, and we sit on Sunday and we get excited and we, and, 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 and we go, man, I'm going to start reading my Bible. And so you go and you read four or five chapters and then you walk out the house and then something happens and bruh, you just did like all that stuff that you just took inside of you that God wanted to work on the inside of you and abide on the inside of you just bleh. As soon as the smallest of challenges come your way. This is your spiritual food, the word of God. 2 Timothy 3.16 says this. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for, what is that word right there? What's that T word? We will call it the T word for now. Thank you, Ms. Michelle. That T word. We got a, a, a fitness thing right next door. And I see the trainers there all the time, people coming in. And those trainers, they, you know, like, like they're there. And you can tell the people, like, 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 just like a good workout trainer, the word is a good trainer. No, no, you're not doing that right. No, no, no. Listen, I know you don't want to push. Push. I know you feel like crying right now. I know you feel like throwing up. You can throw up later. Push right now. Because they're going to get the best out of you. They're going to If they're a good trainer, they're going to transform you into what you're wanting to become. And the word is our training into righteousness. Watch this. 
18%, that's less than two out of every 10 Christians read their Bible every day. Looking around the room, some of y'all in trouble. 18% Christians read their Bible daily. And Jesus said, man shall not live off of bread alone, but from every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. God said that it's his will that his son be, that we be conformed to the image of his son. And the way that we do that is through a renewed mind. And, and, and how do we get there? How do we get here? It says worse, 23%, almost one in four professing Christians say they have never read the Bible. Oh, my God. I've never read the Bible. I heard the man say the word upstairs. I go to church on Sunday. They read the Bible on Sunday, and that's the only intake of the Bible they get. That's 23%. That's according to the discipleship journal. You know, they got discipleship in their name. They got to be right. Listen, church, we got to be people of the book. We got to be people of the book. To the point where I won't mention names, but there are other religions. If you talk about their book, now I'm not telling you slap nobody behind the Bible, but I'm saying if you talk about that, they hold the book. It's like, no, 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 listen, 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 listen. Now listen, I don't have one. I don't have a paper one right here. But your Bible is holy. It's God's word. It's still not holier than you, though. What makes something holy? God dwells there. God is living on it. Like he's physically dwelling on the inside of you. Those are words. They're expressed. They're his word. They're important. But listen, listen, listen. We have to be people of the book. In order for us to understand what's going on in here, we have to go here. And verse 17 says that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. <laughs> you want to be whole? In God, you want to look like Jesus, you got to be a person of the book. You got to open it up. Well, I don't even know where to start reading. Hey, let's 66 books. Choose one. Choose one. And we got it so easy nowadays. Like, we, like, 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 literally, you go on your phone, and if you don't, like, if you don't even read good out loud, you can just hit the button, and it'll read it to you. You can be commuting, and instead of listening to your sports, pod, your sports podcast, you can put it on the Word, and you can get there 15, 20, I don't know how long you drive to work, 30 minutes. You can be listening to the Word on your way to work. We have to be people of the book. True fact, true story. I was a Christian. I was a young Christian. I shared this with the students the other week. I was 13 years old. And some of you know my story. My mother was addicted to drugs, and so... We, I, I was bouncing from sofa to sofa. I lived with my grandmother. My grandmother died. I was bouncing from sofa to sofa, uncle, uncle, Annie, whatever. And so I had this uncle, uh, Henry. We call him Worm. My uncle was a, was a mess. And so I lived with him, and I lived on his sofa. I was sofa surfing at 13. So I was living on his sofa, and my uncle would go out to the club on Saturday night, and he would come back at 3 o'clock in the morning, and he would stop by Sam's. Anybody remember Sam's on 12th Street? It used to be good, but it, it done went downhill now. And so he, he, so he would get Sam's, and he would come, and he would sit on the sofa where I'm sleeping and put on old cowboy movies and eat barbecue. <laughs> and I'm trying to sleep. I would wake up because I was hungry, but when I woke up, I knew I had to have a theological discussion with a drunk man watching Westerns. And he told me one time, he said, yeah, you know, 
that you can only see in 777 times. <laughs> I'm eating my Sam's. Sound about right. <laughs> because you got to understand, I got saved at 13, I got baptized at 13, and I started reading my Bible, and all I had was a King James Bible because I grew up in that old school that those other translations ain't real, only the King James. And so 13 years old trying to read the King James with all these thises and thous and da 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 no, Lord Jesus. And nobody told me to start in the New Testament, so I started in Genesis. I made it through Genesis. It was pretty cool, little stories and stuff. Now I got to Leviticus. I'm like, oh, Lord Jesus. <laughs> We're not going to be doing this. I done read this whole page and don't know a word I just read. And so when my uncle sat down, he wanted to talk theologically with me. I'm like, oh, cool, you know. So he grew up in the church, but, you know, I, you know back, we, I, I don't know. I was 13. Leave me alone. Okay, and so 777 times. But then I heard before that, I don't know if it's from him or some other fool, told me that you least sin one time a day, and I, I get that, you know, I get you sin one time a day. And so I start doing the math as I'm eating my chicken. And I kid you not, I was persuaded in that moment, the enemy persuaded me at that moment that I was, like, I was destined to hell, because I knew I had busted 777 times. Like, like I, I done broke the record. And guess what I did? I made up in my mind that day that, okay, if I'm going to hell, I might as well live like I'm going to hell. I might as well live like I'm going to hell. Why are you telling that story, Sean? It's so sad. Because if I had read the Bible for myself, which I did later in life, I was reading, and I saw that, you know, they came to Jesus and said, how many times should you forgive me? He said, uh, seven? They said, no, seven times 70. And I think, and my mind went back to my uncle's conversation. I went, not only is he an idiot, he can't do math. <laughs> Seven times seven is 490. <laughs> That's not what he was saying. He was talking about how many times we should forgive, not you forgive, not you. And how many times have people, have you been involved with people? And they say, they say somewhere in the Bible, and they say this, and you're like, That's, no, it's not in there. Don't the Bible say, don't say nothing about that. That's the Quran. I'm serious. People will come to you and they'll say what the Bible says. They're like, that's not even an apocrypha. That's like, that's nowhere, nowhere. I had a minister one time tell me, he said, you know, it's, it's saying that cleanliness is next to godliness. I said, no, that's, that's, that's not. That's not. I'm not going to the seminary you went to. It's not in the book. And here's a startling thing. If you were to take the time that the average American spent on social media or watching television, that same time applied to reading the Word, you could read your whole Bible from cover to cover in a month. If you read your Bible 15 minutes a day, you could read your whole Bible in a year. Now listen, I'm not recommending that you spend two hours a night reading the Bible just cover to cover because that's not what we're reading. We're not reading for information. If you want to do it, bust your head. I'll go ahead. I'm not mad at you. But we're not reading for information. We're reading for transformation. And so we need to learn to read the Bible relationally and go, okay, God, what did it mean to the original people? Okay, God, how do I apply this to my life today? And so that means I don't care if you read a chapter uh, a, a day or, 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 or three lines a day, as long as you're reading and going, God, what does this mean for my life? God, how do I apply this to my life? God, how do I, how, 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 how do I navigate this? Holy Spirit, help me, because I see myself, 
and I want you to show me what this means for me. Listen, if you, if you are engaging in the word and you're just lost, listen, email us, elders at anycommunity.church. We'll get you on a plan. We'll walk, we will help you get to a place where you can get a biblical sound understanding of what you're reading and how you should be reading. Secondarily, we need to learn how to memorize scripture. David said, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Because when people be coming at you, you ain't got time to go, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me go read something real quick. That didn't apply. David smote all of his enemies. Okay, I guess so, God. But find scripture and memorize it. Hide it in your heart. It means that you're treasuring God's word. Joshua said, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it both day and night, and then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Let me paraphrase and let me translate to what we're talking about right now. You shall meditate on it both day and night, and then you will be transforming into the image of Jesus. That word meditate actually means to mutter. And so all day you're just muttering on it. And so you're just, you're just muttering the word. You're meditating on the word. You're seeing how that word applies to your life because that word is life. All scripture is God-breathed. The genealogies and something begot somebody. I don't know how that applies, but hey, do some research, do some study, look up the names. Like dive into the word because we're trying to get understanding, not for just getting information, but we're trying to get understanding so that we can obey God so that we can obey God. And some of you might be thinking, well, the Bible is just written so long ago. I don't know what any of that stuff, I just, uh, it don't apply to today. No, all scriptures God breathed. All scriptures God breathed. The word of God is central in your training. Secondarily, to become more like Christ, we must learn to pray like Christ. Jesus had did something that blew the disciples' minds, and they ran up to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. Effective prayer, effective prayer is not intuitive. That's why the Bible says, effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avail it much. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avail it much. Now, you can sit there like the Pharisees and beat your chest and, 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 and God, look at me, and you be wondering why you're not getting through to God. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. One of the reasons that we don't get through to God is because we're not allowing the training to take place, and we sit up there, and we're fighting with our spouse, and we're mad at them, and then when you start thinking about it, anybody ever been mad at your spouse? Not that I have, but have you ever been mad at your spouse? And you're so mad at them, and then you start thinking about it. You're like, how did we even get here? Why were you arguing over this? Why were you arguing over this? But then, like, but I ain't going to be the one to apologize, though. <laughs> I understand it was stupid. I understand. We can mute. It was stupid. It was stupid. It was stupid. But I ain't going to be, watch, you better apologize. <laughs> and the whole time, I'm just like, amen to the married folk. Okay. And so the whole time, the whole time, God is going, 
Until you get that right. La, 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 la. <laughs> what the word says. It says your prayers are hindered when you. Oh, that hurt. <laughs> your prayers are hindered. And so we need to learn how to pray like Jesus. And here, here's a bit of advice. Prayer is not the place, I mean, prayer is the place to be open and honest about who you are and who you want to become. We'd be sitting there, we'd be trying to go to God all fluffy and fluff cakes. Oh, Jesus, I'm, I, did, I, I did such great things today. I come humbly in your presence, oh, benevolent and magnificent God. <laughs> prayer is a place to come to God broken. God, I don't, listen, if I'm honest, I don't even feel like talking to you right now. I don't, like, I, I'm just over people. I'm over you. I'm just, I, God, I just want to chill. It's the place to come to God with those addictions and those challenges in your life. Like, God, I know you know what I'm going through right now, God, but I need your help. Like, God, you know I don't want to be like this anymore. And Lord, you know my challenges. God, help me to figure this thing out. Like God, show me. Like God, show me how I should be training myself for godliness. God, you know the lusts in my heart. God, you know you 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 you, you know those areas of arrogance in my heart. Like God, you know me more than I know myself. And God, unless you step in and intervene, God, I'm utterly lost. Like that's where we need to be in prayer. God, I'm calling upon your goodness right now. Like God, I'm scared right. Now. Like God, I don't know what's going on, and I'm just scared right now, God. I'm flabbergasted, God. I don't know. And listen, God can take your frustration. He can take those areas that you just aren't, like he can take all those and he can just <laughs> patty cake and make a great prayer. That's what he wants because he's transforming you. And I always, he, listen, listen, he wants you to see you because he sees you yeah. as Adam. Adam, where are y'all? I see you behind the rock. He wants you to see you. And he wants you to see that he's good despite who you are. Listen, prayer is not the place to be good. Prayer is the place to come out of hiding. Now, you can lie to me. You can lie to your people in your small group. You can lie, like, like, but prayer is a place to say, God, like, I'm open and wide open before you. Biblical prayer. Effectual fervent prayer. The Bible also tells us that we should pray without ceasing. What does that mean? That means we need to be in a place of consistent communion with God. Consistent communion with God. You pray with others. You pray at home. Let your kids see you praying. Praying the scripture. Oh, we're just going full circle. I got the word. I'm reading the word. Begin to pray the scripture. Begin to pray God's promises back to God. 
And what's happening is your mind is starting to be renewed. I don't understand how it works. It just works. Here's the last one. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more, as you see the day drawing near. Transformation happens in the context of Christian community. You can't do it on your own. The Holy Spirit is your trainer, but he'll also bring people in your life to help you, to help undergird you. Hebrews 13.1 says to love one another. There's nothing, sanct- there's nothing more sanctifying than having to love people that are just as broken as you are. And we've made church about let's get all our stuff together, let's take a shower and get all smelling good and come in here and everybody will say, bless the Lord, yes, yes, how you doing? Blessed and highly favored, thank you, praise God. And on the inside, you're melting down. You get in the car on the way, and you just want to cry. And God has placed you in a community of people who want to come alongside you. And say, you know what? I know, I know what that feels like. I don't judge you because I know I've been there. And so it happens in the context of community. Look at this. Our church is a place where we gain encouragement to be more like Christ, but not only that, it is also a place where we encourage others. We talked about this the last time I spoke. There's something inside of you that if you're neglecting, if you're holding it back, then you're robbing the Christian community of what you have. And that's the second reason why you need to, that's another reason why you need to be transformed because if it's inside of you, we need it to be cultivated. Mm-hmm. I got the guy, I got the, I got the gift of prophecy. You come in and you just, ah, you just, ah, you, you, you ain't got no, you, you, you just no, just no filter. You're just running people off. And, no, it needs to be cultivated. Because what God has given you, he's going to sanctify you with it, 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 at the same time. And you'll see that gift grow, and it's not going to grow in the way that you think it's going to grow. And I'm over my time, but I'm going to finish with this story. I heard it just recently. I'm going to put these kettlebells up. Oh. There's a story about a guy sitting on his back porch. He looked down in his garden and he saw this chrysalis. You know, chrysalis is what butterflies come out of, cocoons is what we call them, cocoons. And butterflies are the embodiment of what we think of when we think of transformation. It goes in as a caterpillar and it comes out this beautiful butterfly. So he's sitting there, he's watching, and he's seeing, he like, he's seeing it like this little, he like, he's watching it happen. He's like, oh, my God, a butterfly is actually coming out of the cocoon right here in front of me. And he noticed that the butterfly had poked a little bitty tiny hole at the bottom, and he's just pushing himself out. He's just sitting there watching. He's just like, he's mesmerized. And he, like, he's sitting there for like, 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 like 45 minutes, an hour, I don't know how long he's sitting there, but he's sitting there, and he's looking, and he's just like, oh, my God, like life is happening. Oh, my God. And he saw the butterfly got to a certain point of being out. It just stopped. So the man goes, oh, man. And so he goes and he goes in the house and he gets this little razor blade. And he begins ever so gently, he just begins to nudge a bigger hole for the butterfly to get out. And the butterfly springs back and he starts pushing out and he's pushing out. And he sees that the butterfly comes out and the butterfly is deformed. 
has this big old torso and these little bitty wings. And he's like, okay, the magic's gonna happen. He's gonna start flapping his wings, he's gonna fly away. He says the butterfly just walks down a branch. He's just walking. Such a letdown. Butterflies go to fly. That's what butterflies do. They butterflies, not butter walks. And so anyway, he goes and he researches, and he figures out that that little bitty hole is what makes a butterfly a butterfly. Because in the last moments, as it's pushing, and as it's forcing itself, and as it's disciplining itself to get out of that hole, it's pushing all of the necessary caterpillar juice, I don't know, into the wings, and it's slimming down out of its torso. And so he deformed the butterfly by trying to help the butterfly get out of the situation before the butterfly was designed to get out of the situation. And to become a butterfly, it took some discipline. It took some practice. Listen, God has not allowed you to fly yet because you haven't did what needs to be done in order to fly. God's not going to go get the exacto knife. He's not going to go, and he's not going to cut you out because it will deform you in the process. You won't look like Jesus. You just look like a bloated Christian. And that's not what God wants for you. That's not what God wants for you. And so for the next few, few moments... I would like for you to just think about those areas in your life that you've just been spiritually lazy. I haven't wanted to get in my word. I haven't wanted to pray. I haven't wanted to, 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 to spend time in community. And pray to God, God, what do you want me to do about this? Like really, like, 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 really, like God, I heard a word. What do you want me to do? Do you want me to set my alarm clock earlier? And chances are he's already been talking to some of us about some of this stuff. God, what do you want me to do? Because it's important that I look like Jesus. Thank you for listening. If you would like to know more about us, please visit us at anycommunity.church.